no warning signs that I'm aware of. And it was a revelation that the White House had no intention of making public. President Bush was told in August that Osama bin Laden might be planning an attack involving the hijacking. could have predicted. Nobody in our government, at least. The, uh, August 6th uh, PDP. I believe the title was Bin Laden Determined to Attack Inside the United States. 70% of family members' questions were never answered during the 9-11 Commission report. Lee Hamilton and Thomas Keene said they were set up to fail. I mean, I'm a member of the Commission. It's a scam. It's absolutely disgusting. The questions, Mr. President. The questions. Building 7 ablaze at the moment and apparently getting ready to collapse. Building 7. Freefall collapse. Well, no, there's number 7 coming down. The excitement and the fun that people get watching an old building being demolished and they wired very carefully for days and it's a very careful operation. Third time today. It's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when a building was deliberately destroyed, destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. The smartest thing to do is, is pull it. Uh, and they made that decision to pull and then we watched the building collapse. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? Well, only really what you already know. Details are very, very sketchy. We are getting information now that one of the other buildings, Building 7, in the World Trade Center complex is on fire and has either collapsed or is collapsing. The Pentagon. Vanishing airplane. My close-up inspection, uh, there's no evidence of a plane having crashed anywhere near the Pentagon. The only site uh, is the actual uh, site of the building that's crashed in. And as I said, the only pieces left uh, that you can see are, are small enough that you could pick up in your hand. Uh, there are no large uh, tail sections, wing sections, uh, a fuselage, nothing like that anywhere around, which would indicate that the entire plane crashed into the side of the Pentagon. Firefighters and police describing explosions, a lot of them. This is a secondary explosion. We've got numerous people covered with dust from the secondary explosion. Just floor by floor, it's not a popping out. It was like, it was if, if they had detonated. Yeah, yeah detonated. They were planned yeah. to take down a building. Boom, 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 boom. Looks sort of like the building just demolished. Even if there was no secondary explosives in the building. Kind of like gunfire. You know, bang, 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 bang. And then, and then all of a sudden, three big explosions. Do you know if it was an explosion or if it was a building collapse? To me, it sounded like it, it, to me, it sounded like an explosion. Chief Albert Turry told me that he tried to get his men out as quickly as he could, but he said that there was another explosion which took place. And then an hour after, there was another explosion in one of the towers here. Sibel Edmonds, FBI translator, breaking her gag order. All our intimate relationship with Bin Laden and, and Taliban, we did carry very intimate relationship with these people all the way up to September 11. Bin Laden was spirited into this military hospital in Rawapendi for kidney dialysis treatment. The military had him surrounded. They were saying that Osama Bin Laden had to be watched carefully and looked after. NORAD standing down. Where were the planes? on now to one of the eeriest moments amid the carnage of 9-11. A mysterious plane was seen flying right over the president's residence. The E-4Bs over New York and Washington, otherwise known as the doomsday planes. It has never been officially explained. Cell phones working at impossible altitudes. Solicitor General Ted Olson receiving phone calls that the FBI says 
were never made. What happened during that call? This is the only information we have on these terrorists. She was able to call him twice. How she could pull that off, we don't know, but she did. These are the questions, Mr. President. These are the questions. They go on and on. Good afternoon, Mr. President. I come to you today representing the families of the victims of September 11th, as well as millions of my fellow Americans. Hopefully by now you've had a chance to read my letter to you, 20 minutes with the president. And if not, at least had its contents brought to your attention. We have questions, Mr. President. Lots of questions. A lot of them are detailed in my letter, but trust me, there are hundreds more questions. As my letter chronicles, sir, the 9-11 Commission itself says they were lied to, deceived, and essentially prevented from carrying out a real investigation. The people of the United States and the world demand the truth, sir. We have to continuously ask questions. That's what a patriot does. That's what a true American does. We ask questions. You, sir, have the power as well as the responsibility to initiate a truly independent congressional investigation into the events of 9-11 as well as its aftermath. We want our country back, Mr. President. Therefore, I'm not just calling on you and your team. I'm calling on each and every American citizen to wake up, stand up, and demand the truth. We're counting on you, Mr. President. Be on the right side of history. Let's join Jane Stanley now, who's in New York this afternoon. Uh, Jane, good afternoon. Um, we can see the smoke still billowing out behind you. Um, what, ha has the mood changed in New York in these seven hours? I don't think it has really. It went from a very early disbelief as these events unfolded live on American television screens. People saying, oh, this is like a movie. I couldn't believe that this would happen. And I think then to utter horror as the Twin Towers collapsed. And the only change really, I think, has been a deepening of the sickness that people feel here, a deepening of the fear. Because as we can see with the, the smoke still billowing out of the World Trade Center and the horror that lies underneath that rubble, people are very frightened about what is going to be found there because we still have no idea of fatalities on casualties we know 600 people are in the city's hospitals and 1500 more are being treated at a tent hospital set up uh, in Liberty Island Park out in the, uh, the Bay of New York but still no no way of coming to terms with something like this uh, are the, are the uh, rescue services at work on the site, on the rubble of those two huge buildings, or is it a place it's impossible to conceive anybody could remain alive underneath? It's hard to know because uh, behind me, where the Twin Towers are, just beyond that, uh, the mayor of New York, Rudolph Giuliani, has actually closed down the majority of the city. He's just 
forced a line and there's, everyone else has been evacuated out. We see behind us regularly coming ambulances, sirens wailing of people. We, we really have no idea uh, who's being taken from the scene. But uh, of course rescue efforts are still going on. But when you think of 110 stories, two towers falling down, it's, it's a huge area that will have been devastated, very hard to get at. And of course the city, the Red Cross here, appealing for blood donors, people being treated for burns, but kind of as, as the, the downtown area, the financial area of Manhattan behind me has been closed down, in many ways so has the, the information network. For example, we're hearing nothing at all on, on fatalities. Perhaps it's too horrible for the authorities here to even contemplate yet. Jane, thank you very much. And you're, you've been listening to a little Jane Stanley of the BBC. I'm your host, Chris Steiner, on the Liberation Station radio show. Before that, we had Charlie Sheen on his latest uh, video message to President Obama that was just issued and posted today on the Internet. And uh, this is, of course, the September 10th, 2009 edition of Liberation Station. We're talking about the eighth anniversary of 9-11 and all the curious oddities, all the coincidences uh, that do just don't add up, and uh, all the questions that have uh, remained unanswered these many years. Twenty questions are uh, some of the, uh, just some of the questions that are 20 questions that uh, Obama, 20 minutes with Obama or the president uh, that... Um, my wireless keyboard isn't allowing me to pull up the exact title at the moment, but uh, that's another uh, another salvo that uh, Charlie Sheen has uh, issued, but that was uh, issued yesterday, and uh, today is the second part, and uh, maybe there will be a third part tomorrow, so uh, Alex Jones says. Well, uh, what's the purpose of this? It's uh, what's the purpose of these uh, the dramatic uh, 20 minutes with the president that uh, Charlie Sheen uh, issued yesterday. That's a, actually a hypothetical interview that he composed, and it includes a lot of the responses of Obama that he's used uh, throughout some of his speeches. So some of the responses uh, of Obama are of the president are a little bit um, might uh, be a little bit reminiscent. Might ring a bell if you read the script because uh, he he did actual use actual quotes of the president. But uh, this was a hypothetical interview, and uh, there was some confusion about that at first. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into uh, the latest uh, on 9-11 and go back in history. We won't uh, go in chronological order necessarily because this is such breaking news. We've got to talk about Charlie Sheen, a man who needs no introduction. And uh, he he's uh, also on a, uh, on a sitcom, Two and a Half Men. But, uh, you know, you, gotta, you have to ask yourself, such a powerful actor, why is he doing this? What does he have to gain? And... Uh, the only answer I can come up with is the freedom for his family and future generations. You can reach us here in Pinellas County, Florida, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Toll free, 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And the Alltel free call for Alltel cellular customers is star 1340. 
That's star 1340 for all tele customers. And the website is theliberationstation.com, theliberationstation.com. And uh, some of, most of this news that I just referred to is in the beginning of, uh, on the very top of the webpage now, if you'd like to uh, check out the latest on Charlie Sheen that I've mentioned. Well, let's see here. Where do we begin? Let's, uh, let's begin with uh, these uh, 20 minutes with the president. And then an article that uh, was posted on InfoWars. Uh, let's see, where is this? Uh, my wireless keyboard would operate. And uh, this is a, uh, an article that was just recently posted on, uh, on, on InfoWars uh, that goes over the 20 minutes that, uh, or the 20 points that uh, Charlie Sheen wants to spend the 20 minutes uh, with Obama discussing. And uh, I'm trying, having a hard time uh, pulling that up, but uh, I'll f first get into the 20 questions here that uh, that Charlie Sheen has for President Obama, um, and uh, this is uh, dated uh, September 8th, 2009. Yeah, I'm having the keyboard working better now, so uh, we'll get the show on the road. It's working okay. Yeah, it looks like a. Looks like it's on its, uh, it's just the internet, it's going a little slowly here. Okay, so uh, this, is, uh, this is the introduction. Charlie writes, I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with our 44th President of the United States of America, Barack Hussein Obama, while he was out promoting his health care reform initiative. I requested 30 minutes given the scope and detail of my inquiry. They said I could have 20, 20 minutes. 1,200 seconds, not a lot of time to question the president about one of the most important events in our nation's history. The following is a transcript of our remarkable discussion. Charlie Sheen, good afternoon, Mr. President. Thank you so much for taking time out of your demanding schedule. President Obama, my pleasure. The content of your request seemed like something I should carve out a few minutes for. Charlie, I should point out that I voted for you, as your promises of hope and change, transparency and accountability, as well as putting government back into the hands of the American people, struck an emotional chord in me that I hadn't felt in quite some time, perhaps ever. President Obama, and I appreciate that, Charlie. Big fan of the show, by the way. Sir, Charlie says, sir, I can't imagine when you might find the time to actually watch my show, given the measure of what you inherited. President Obama, I have it TiVo'd on Air Force One. Nice break from the traveling press corps, he glances at his watch. Not to be abrupt or to rush you, but you have 19 minutes left. Charlie says, I'll take that as an invitation to cut out, cut to the chase. President Obama, I'm all ears or so I've been told. Charlie, sir, in the very near future, we will be experiencing our first 9-11 anniversary with you as Commander-in-Chief. Obama, yes, a very solemn day for our nation, a day of reflection, and yet a day of historical consciousness as well. Charlie, very much so, sir, very much so indeed. Now, in researching your position regarding the events of 9-11 and the subsequent investigation that followed, am I correct to understand that you fully support and endorse the findings of the commission report otherwise known as the official story, quote-unquote? Obama, do I have any reason not to, given that most of us are presumably in touch with similar evidence? 
Charlie, I really wish that were the case, sir. Are you aware, Mr. President, of the recent stunning revelations that 60% of the 9-11 commissioners have publicly stated that the government agreed not to tell the truth about 9-11 and that the Pentagon was engaged in deliberate deception about their response to the attack? President Obama, I am aware of certain quote-unquote infighting during the course of their very thorough and tireless investigative process. Charlie, Mr. President, it's hard to label this type of friction as quote-unquote infighting or making the irresponsible leap to quote-unquote thorough when the evidence I insist you examine regarding six of the ten members of the statements of, are statements of fact. At this point, one of Obama's senior aides approaches the president and whispers into his ear. Obama glances quickly at his watch and nods as the aide resumes his post at the doorway directly behind me. President Obama, no disrespect, Mr. Sheen, but I have to ask, what is it that you seem to be implying with the initial direction of this discussion? Charlie, I am not implying anything, Mr. President. I am here to present the facts and see what you plan to do with them. Obama, let me guess, your facts, quote-unquote, allegedly supporting these claims are in the folders you brought with you? Charlie, good guess, Mr. President. I hand the folder of documents to the President. Charlie continues, again, sir, there are, these are not my opinions or assumptions. This is all matter of public record, reported through mainstream media, painstakingly fact-checked and verified. The President glances into the folder I handed him. You'll notice, sir, on page one of the dossier, dated August of 2006, from the Washington Post, the statements of John Farmer, senior counsel to the 9-11 Commission, his quote stating, quote, I was shocked how different the truth was from the way it was described, end quote. The president, as he glances down at the report, almost inaudible, uh-huh, Charlie says, he goes on to further state, quote, the tapes regarding to the NORAD air defense tapes, the tapes told a radically different story from what had been told to us and the public for two years, end quote. The president continues to view the documents. Charlie continues, on pages two and three, sir, are the statements, as well uh, from the commission co-chairman Thomas Keene and Lee Hamilton, commissioners Bob Carey, Timothy Romer, and John Lehman, as well as the statements of Commissioner Max Cleland, an ex-senator from Georgia who resigned, stating, quote, it is a national scandal. This investigation is now compromised. One of these days we will have to get the full story because the 9-11 issue is so important to, the Ameri to America, but this White House wants to cover it up, end quote. He also described President Bush's desire to delay the process as not to damage the 2004 re-election bid. They suspected deception to the point where they considered referring the matter to the Justice Department for a criminal investigation. Mr. President, this information alone is unequivocally grounds for a new investigation. President Obama says, mistakes were clearly made, but we as a people and as a country need to move forward. It is obviously in our best interest as a democratic society to focus our efforts and our resources on the future of this great nation and our ability to protect the American people and our allies from this type of terrorism in the coming years. Charlie, 
Sir, how can we focus on the future when the commission itself is on record stating that they still do not know the truth? President Obama, even if what you state might in some capacity begin to approach an open discussion or a balanced debate, I can't speak for or about the discussions certain commission members made during an extremely difficult period. Perhaps you should be interviewing them instead of me. Wait, don't tell me. I was easier to track down than they were? Charlie says, not exactly, sir, but let's be honest. You're the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. The buck stops with you. 9-11 has been the pretext for the systematic dismantling of our Constitution and Bill of Rights. Your administration is reading from the same playbook as that the Bush administration foisted on America through documented secrecy and deception. Obama. Mr. Sheen, I'm having, difficult, I'm having a difficult time sitting here and listening to you draw distorted parallels between the Bush-Cheney regime and mine. Charlie, Mr. President, the parallels are not distorted just because you say they are. Let's stick to the facts. You promised to abolish the Patriot Act and then voted to reauthorize it. You pledged to end the warrantless wiretapping against the American people and now energetically defend it. You decried the practice of rendition and now continue it. You promised over and over again on the campaign trail that you would end the practice of indefinite detention and instead you have expanded it to permeate a permanent detention of quote-unquote detainees without trial. This far exceeds the outrages of the former administration. Call me crazy, Mr. President, but is this not your record? President Obama. Mr. Sheen, my staff and I authorized this interview based on your request to discuss 9-11 and deliver some additional information you're convinced I'd not previously reviewed. Call me crazy, but it appears as though you've blindly wandered off topic. Charlie says, Sir, the examples I just illustrated are a direct result of 9-11. President Obama, and I'm telling you that we must move forward. We must endure through these dangerous and politically challenged years ahead. Charlie says, Mr. President, we cannot move forward with a bottomless warrant of unanswered questions surrounding that day and its aftermath. Obama, I've read the official report, every word, every page. Perhaps you should do the same. Charlie says, I have, sir, and so have thousands of family members of the victims. And guess what? They have the same questions I do, and probably a lot more. I didn't lose a loved one on that horrific day, Mr. President, and neither did you. But since then, I, along with millions of other Americans, lost something we held true and dear for most of our lives in this great country of ours. We lost our hope. President Obama, and I'd like to believe that. I'm here to restore that hope, to restore confidence in your leaders, in the system that the voting public chose through a peaceful transfer of power. An odd moment of silence between us, precious time ticking away. Charlie says, Mr. President, are you aware of the number of days it took to begin the investigation into JFK's assassination? Obama, if memory serves, I believe it was two weeks. Charlie says, close, 17 days to be exact. Are you aware, sir, how long it took to begin the investigation into Pearl Harbor? President, President Obama says, I would say again, about two weeks. Close again, sir, Charlie says, 11 days to be exact. Are you aware, Mr. President, how long it took to begin the investigation into 9-11? President Obama, I know it must have seemed like a very long time for all the grieving families. 
Charlie says, It was a very long time, Mr. President, 440 days. Roughly 14 months. Does it bother you, Mr. President, that it took only five hours for Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld after the initial attack to recommend and endorse a full-scale offensive against Iraq? Obama, I am not aware of any such purported claim. Charlie, Charlie Sheen says, I have the proof, Mr. President, along with scores of documents and facts I'd like you to take a look at here. I hand him another file much thicker than the first. Obama, I see you came prepared, Charlie. Charlie Sheen says, no other way to show up, Mr. President. When in doubt, over-prepare, I always say. Obama, now you sound like the first lady. Charlie, that's quite a compliment, sir. Obama, as you wish, please continue. Charlie Sheen, sir, I'd like to direct your attention to the stack of documents in the folder I just handed you. The first in from the top is entitled Operation Northwoods. A declassified Pentagon plan to stage terror attacks on U.S. soil, to be blamed on Cuba as a pretext for war. Obama, and I'd like to direct your attention to the fact that the principal draftsman of this improbable blueprint was quickly denied a second term as Joint Chiefs Chairman and sent packing to a European NATO garrison. Thank God his otherworldly ambitions never saw the light of day. Charlie, I wouldn't be so certain about that, Mr. President. Obama, I could easily say the same to you, Charlie. The president checks his watch. Charlie, the next document reads, quote, declassified staged provocations, end quote. Now, honestly, Mr. President, I, w I wish I was making this stuff up. I'm certain you are familiar with the USS Maine incident, the sinking of the Lusitania, which we all now know brought us into World War I, and of course the most famous, the Gulf of Tonkin incident. President Obama, of course I'm familiar with these historical events, and I'm aware that there's a measure of controversy surrounding them. But to be quite frank with you, this is all ancient history. Charlie, Mr. President, it has been often said those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. And I concede to you, sir, these events are the past. Obama, a vastly different world, young man, shouldering a radically disparate state of universal affairs. Charlie, no argument, sir. I'm merely inviting you to acknowledge some credib credibility to the pattern or the theme. Case in point, the next document in your folder. It was published by the think tank Project for a New American Century, and it's entitled Rebuilding America's Defenses, and was written by Dick Cheney and Jeb Bush. To quote from the document, the president interrupts, Further, the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor. Touche, sir, says Charlie. Your thoughts on this statement, Mr. President? Obama says, I would call this a blatant, blatant case of misjudgment fueled by an unfortunate milieu of assumption, for some the un uninformed denial of coincidence. Charlie Sheen says, Interesting angle, sir. Nevertheless, Vice President Cheney didn't stop there. In early 2008, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Seymour Hirsch and MSNBC both reported that Cheney had proposed to the Pentagon an outrageous plan to have the U.S. Navy create fake Iranian patrol boats to be manned by Navy SEALs, who would then stage an attack on U.S. destroyers in the Strait of Hormuz. 
This event was to be blamed on Iran and used as a pretext for a war. Does any of this information worry you, Mr. President? Should we just ignore it until these realities can be dismissed years from now by our children as ancient history as well? President Obama, of course this information worries me, yet it's not nearly as worrisome as you sitting here today suspiciously implying that 9-11 was somehow allowed to happen or even orchestrated from the inside. Charlie Sheen, Mr. President, I am not suspiciously implying anything. I am, I am merely exposing the documents and asking the questions that nobody in power will ever even look at or acknowledge. And as I stated earlier, I voted for you. I believed in your message of hope and change. Mr. President, I have come to you specially, specifically hoping for change. A change in the perception that our government has not yet made itself open and accountable to the people. These are your words, Mr. President, not mine. The lives of thousands were brutally cut short, and those left behind to suffer their infinite pain are with me today, Mr. President. They are with me in spirit and flesh, and the message we carry will not be silenced anymore by media-fueled mantras insisting how they are supposed to feel, deciding for them for eight long years what can be thought, what can be said, what can be asked. President Obama, and I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your conviction. In spite of your concerns, in spite of what your data might or might not reveal, what you and the families must understand or, and accept is that we are doing everything we can to protect you. Charlie says, Mr. President, I realize we're very short on time, so please allow me to run down a list of bullet points that might illuminate some reasons why we don't embrace the warm hug of federal protect protection. Obama, We've come this far, fire away. Charlie says, Please keep in mind, Mr. President, everything I'm about to say is documented as fact and part of the public record. The information you are holding in your hand chronicles and verifies each and every point. Obama, you have five minutes left. The floor is yours. Charlie then says, Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, first, on the FBI's most wanted list, and uh, to the audience, there's a link to this as uh, some of the other things I've mentioned Charlie say so far. Some of the other information has links on uh, in the article where you can um, verify all uh, many of the claims uh, that Charlie Sheen's making in this in, in this uh, hypothetical interview. But uh, continuing with uh, Charlie Sheen saying, "Thank you, Mr. President." Okay, first, on the FBI's most wanted list, Osama bin Laden is not charged with the crimes of 9-11. When I called the FBI to ask them why this was the case, they replied, quote, there's not enough evidence to link bin Laden to the crime scene, end quote. I later discovered he had never been indicted by the Department of Justice. Number two, FBI translator Sibel Edmonds was dismissed and gagged by the Department of Justice after she revealed that the government had foreknowledge of plans to attack American cities using planes as bombs as early as April 2001. In July of 2009, Mrs. Edmonds broke the federal gag order and went public to reveal that Osama bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban were all working for and with the CIA up until the day of 9-11. 
Number three, the following is a quote from Mayor Giuliani during an interview on 9-11 with Peter Jennings for ABC News. Quote, I went down to the scene and we went up to headquarters at 75 Barclay Street, which was right there with the police commissioner, the fire commissioner, the head of emergency management, and we were operating out of there when we were told that the World Trade Center was going to collapse. And it did collapse before we could actually get out of the building. So we were trapped in the building for 10, 15 minutes and finally found an exit and got out, walked north and took a lot of people with us, end quote. Who told him this? To this day, the answer to this question remains unanswered, completely ignored and emphatically denied by Mayor Giuliani on several public occasions. And uh, even though the link is not, I'm interjecting here, the, even though the link is not uh, in this article, you can uh, look on the Weird Change website. They've, uh, Weird Change has uh, had some confrontations with Weird, uh, Mayor Giuliani, former uh, New York Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. Number four. Uh, in April 2004, USA Today reported, quote, in the two years before the September 11th attacks, the New York, pardon me, uh, starting over again. Number four, in April 2004, USA Today reported, quote, in the two years before the September 11th attacks, the North American Aerospace Defense Command conducted exercises simulating what the White House says was unimaginable at the time. Hijacked airliners used as weapons to crash into targets and cause mass casualties, end quote. One of the targets was the World Trade Center. And uh, number five, uh, on September 12th, 2007, CNN's Anderson Cooper 360 reported that the mysterious quote-unquote white plane spotted and videotaped by multiple media outlets flying in restricted airspace over the White House shortly before 10 a.m. on the morning of 9-11 was in fact the Air Force's E-4B, a specially modified Boeing 747 with a communications pod behind the cockpit, otherwise known as the Doomsday Plane, quote-unquote. Though fully aware of the event, the 9-11 Commission did not deem the appearance of the military plane to be of any interest and did not include it in the final 9-11 Commission report. And uh, we'll continue with uh, point number six in uh, just a moment here. Uh, we have... Uh, we have uh, Joshua on the line. Hello, how you doing, Chris? Hi, Joshua from Rear Change, Florida, Orlando. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing excellent, man. Actually, just uh, on route back to Orlando from Daytona. We went out to uh, Daytona Beach today, and we joined Veterans for Peace to raise awareness about the uh, unmet demands of 9-11 victims, family members, and first responders for an investigation. Great. And, uh, yeah, that's another aspect where we need to get... Oh, I think we might have lost Josh. Well, uh, yeah, we'll get back to him. I'm sure I'll call back. Yeah, that's another aspect we'll be getting into is the is the uh, the rescue workers and the. Um, oh gosh, there's a great documentary uh, on that 9/11 Chronicles uh, Part One: Truth Rising. It's a, a cinema verite documentary, meaning it it does not have any narration to it. It's all just raw footage of the mainly re the rescue workers and all the uh, issues and news reports involved surrounding that issue of, uh, for example, Christine Todd Whitman, the 
director of the EPA at the time, uh, being told uh, to to hide the fact that the air wasn't safe to breathe, even though they had reports contrary uh, to the opposite, that they knew that the air wasn't safe to breathe, and yet they wanted to clear it for Wall Street to open a to begin a resume operation again, and uh, perhaps rescue some of their uh, their gold. But um, that's a whole other. Uh, uh, that's a whole other. Um, that's a whole other issue as to the, the motivation behind it. But the, the fact is that the rescue workers do need a lot of help still, and uh, now more than ever, we have uh, Josh back on the line. Hey Chris, sorry about that. We're uh, driving through some rain, and it's. Uh, if I apologize if I lose you again. No problem. So you were uh, just at uh, an event with uh, Veterans for Peace. Uh, yes, sir. We just left an event. We were working with Veterans for Peace, and we had a very successful event. We gave out probably 500 uh, DVDs, compilation DVDs, with all the latest 9-11 Truth documentaries and uh, you know anti-establishment propaganda documentaries, and it was quite a success. Uh, and, and I guess I've kind of tuned in here. It sounds like were you reading over the uh, the list of the Charlie Sheen yeah, I was reading the, the 20 questions, but thanks, Joshua, for helping educate everybody as to what's happened, what the true story of 9-11 really, really means to our, uh, our veterans and, and our you know, people fighting right now over there, uh, our, uh, our servicemen over, uh, over in uh, the Middle East fighting for um, uh, what they don't know or what I don't know either, or in any case. But, um, yeah, I was talking, I was just uh, reading uh, the, the 20 questions, the 20 minutes with the president, that uh, hypothetical interview that, that Charlie uh, um, supposedly had with uh, the president. But uh, it's interesting. Did you? I know you're an Alex Jones uh, follower, and uh, since you were out on the road today, you might not have heard this, but uh, I'm trying to pull up the quote today. Um, yes, here it is, that uh, I heard Alex say that about um, – just before 2.30 uh, Eastern Time, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Alex said, quote, he's directly talking to the White House, talking about Charlie Sheen. He's directly talking to the White House right now. We'll just leave it at that, end quote. And that's an actual quote. So uh, maybe maybe this uh, will generate some um, some interest. What do you think? Well, it seems like it's actually uh, picked up quite a bit of media attention uh, just between your listeners and I was I was I must admit I was a bit disappointed at first with the announcement of the Charlie Sheen deal but it is really picking up a lot of steam and it was really good today because we really made that the uh, the focal point of our message in saying that you know six of the 10 six of the 10 people who had led the not who headed up the 911 commission report are now in fact openly calling for a criminal investigation of the Pentagon and the White House and uh and also what, what made that even more uh, damning information, if you will, is the fact that there was absolutely no mention of this in mainstream media. Fox News and CNN did not even discuss the issue. And the fact of the matter is 9-11, the event, the tragedy that took place on September 11, 2001, is the catalyst that has sent us into these wars. It is the catalyst that has completely uh, uh, evolved our whole foreign and domestic policy. And the fact of the matter is six out of ten of the gentlemen who led this commission are now publicly saying they need a new investigation, there was obstruction of justice. Why is this not front-page news? This should, in fact, be front-page news everywhere. And that's the question we leave to the mainstream media and to Barack Obama, obviously, with this. Yeah, our media is just asleep at the switch, of course, and it's all in the international press, but it's not, and it's being uh, looked at with great curiosity, but, uh, you know, not much in this press, or not much in the American press. 
And it's just the same with uh, Sybil Edmonds that Charlie brought up um, in this uh, one of these 20 points is that uh, we have this former FBI analyst translator, Sybil Edmonds, who just uh, came out and, and started talking about uh, how um, she was translating, uh, how, how her translations helped to get uh, foreknowledge about 9-11, and, uh, and she was gagged about it. But uh, yeah, she she's um, she went on to found uh, to open the open the door for other people, uh, an organization called National Security Whistleblowers Coalition, and uh, her website is uh, justacitizen.com. But uh, you know, we have we do have people, we do have heroes like Charlie Sheen and and Sibel Edmonds and uh, and other people, other authorities, uh, credentialed and degreed authorities, uh, you know, scientists. Uh, William Rodriguez, who was um, a janitor on the scene, who who said he heard explosions before the planes hit, and and uh, he just he dove under. Uh, he's a hero because he he led the the last. He was the last survivor out and uh, out of the first building that was hit, and uh, he dove. He literally dove underneath a fire truck and waited for hours to be rescued uh, as the the debris of the building was being supported by the fire truck. So uh, we have these people who are highly credible, and uh, and that's that's great that you're helping um, you're helping uh, raise the public awareness, the the bar of public awareness on the issue of 9/11. That's that's wonderful. It's just an issue that we we won't let go. Joshua. Yeah, absolutely. You can't uh, you can't deny the whole testimony of Sybil Evans. And uh, there's actually so much stuff that is coming forward with the whole uh, 9-11 truth movement. For your audience who's not aware, there is a huge, going to be a huge representation of the 9-11 truth movement uh, tomorrow at Ground Zero in uh, New York City. Uh, as I understand, Luke Radowski has got some big speakers lined up. And there are actually, from what I understand, huge uh, 9-11 truth marches, marches taking place all across the country. I know in your local area, in Tampa tomorrow, there's actually going to be a huge uh, 9-11 truth event tomorrow beginning at 12 noon in uh, downtown Tampa where there will be a street action. And we want to encourage anyone who's listening to this, uh, come out and join us. And if this is your first time hearing this, come out and grab a DVD, grab some free literature, mm -hmm. inform yourself about these issues. You know, our whole goal is to network and build communities of truth and, and justice and liberty and constitutional awareness. That's the spirit. And, so, and where is this? Uh, where is this uh, action? Where is this? Um, where, where where is the uh, DVD? Where are the free DVDs going to be handed out? Yeah, uh, I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. I'm not one hundred percent sure about the location as far as street address. But if anyone's curious, you can visit www.meetup.com backslash. We Are Change Tampa, or you can just Google We Are Change Tampa and look for their meetup group. Everything is listed. They're actually going to be giving out free DVDs and literature, and they will be screening one of the most recent 9-11 Truth films, uh, The Anthrax Wars, which gets into the whole uh, deal with the anthrax actually coming from Fort Detrick and all this being declassified. And uh, there, I believe, from what I understand, there will be having a concert as well and a benefit to, to try to raise money as well as awareness, but most, but money for the first responders who were lied to about the air quality by the EPA to try to raise money for them and raise awareness to the public of the need of a new independent 9-11 investigation. So 
Great. Yeah, that we'll we'll get that information here in just a moment. Uh, where that action is going to be because I got the invitation also, um, hoping to be there. But uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And the anthrax wars, very related to nine eleven. Uh, we'll get into we've gotten in that in the past. Uh, you know where where we have uh, it's so important because we have these these fake attacks. The the uh, Fort Detrick based anthrax that was uh, discovered being mailed off to politicians who are against the the uh, like Dash and, and Leahy or who are against the um, the Patriot Act and and the uh, 9-11 photojournalist, I mean, the, uh, the photojournalist for uh, the Inquirer who uh, exposed the Bush daughters. But the uh, the primary important significance of it is, is that we have the Capitol Police being controlled by the president shutting down Congress as a overreaction to these uh, clearly an inside job uh, when it comes to the, these uh, anthrax attacks that, that subsequently followed the um, the 9-11 attacks and then we have uh, uh, go to a website to verify uh, judi- judicialwatch.org uh, has the Freedom of Information Act uh, ev- evidence that they uh, say that they haven't received a, a satisfactory response to as to why the White House the including President Bush jr. Uh, were on um, on the powerful antibiotic Cipro which one should not be unless uh, you know, because of the uh, known side effects but uh, you know unless you're fearing a, a greater disease like anthrax it protects against anthrax and they were on it according to the uh, Freedom of Information Act request fulfilled um, by freedom uh, or by judicial watch's request showing that by for uh, between four to six weeks before the 9-11 attacks the White House was on this powerful antibiotic Cipro so uh, yeah that that's just for the audience to understand the importance of uh, the the one-two punch of 9-11 the the anthrax attack were, was the second uh, in the in the um, in the att- second in the series of attacks, and it was meant to be blamed on Muslims as saying that uh, death to Israel, death to Zionists, or something to that effect, uh, and it was meant to be seen as a uh, anti-Israeli, um, uh, you know, per- perhaps a. An Arab uh, wrote this letter up and and got this. Uh, how did they get this uh, weaponized anthrax? So th- that's a the, that's like the under that's the underlying question of who really did it. But, but Josh, uh, are you still there? Yes, sir. I was okay. going to uh, actually change gears if that was cool with you. I wanted to talk about a recent uh, development we found over here in the Orlando area. If you're interested. We, sure thing. Go we, ahead. We, uh, we, we attended. They had their second annual first responders benefit here, and we went out and uh, we gave out uh, thousands of flyers of literature on firefighters for 9/11 Truth. We gave out literature on the Feel Good Foundation. We gave out literature on uh, organizations such as Oath Keepers, which I know we've discussed on your your radio program before, mm-hmm. and also literature on the uh, the current vaccination program. And I want to say, I want to let your audience know, and you know, that while we were there, we actually saw a Orange County Homeland Security trailer. And I was able to do an interview with the police officer, the sheriff who was working that, who let me know that Homeland Security has completely overtaken the sheriff's department. All of our local sheriffs and law enforcement have completely been federalized by Homeland Security. And I think that's, I think that's a pretty big announcement. I think that's pretty big news. I mean, everyone knows... Uh, that these things are coming, that these things have been happening across the country, but we're starting to see it uh, blatantly on the local level where Homeland Security and the, and the federal government has completely federalized all of our local law enforcement. 
gosh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's something we ought to follow up on. But I didn't know it was so close to home uh, to talk about. Uh, we'll have to talk about these fusion centers, the the FEMA and the Homeland Security uh, fusion centers that interface with our our local uh, officials, and apparently say they've uh, taken over. Um, so how did you how how did you come about this information? Well, like I said, we were at the uh, the the first responders benefit and we saw the trailer we went we just took some pictures of it and it turned out there were actually law enforcement uh sheriff's deputies in the trailer and they were very you know they were very professional they were very nice we spoke to them and we just told them we were making like a uh, documentary and uh, we actually gave them all kinds of uh, oath keepers literature and the, the 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 lead officer the one with seniority was very reluctant to answer questions but as he left we talked to one of the guys who informed us that he he was very new to the force, but he was happy to answer questions. And he just kind of let us know, yeah, you know, Homeland Security uh, really runs the show. And he let us know. He said, but the thing, the truth is that, you know, there are a lot of domestic homegrown terrorists. And he said, especially in areas like Orlando. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we're, yeah. Hear, we're hearing now. Uh, he was a good guy. I think he, I don't think he was, uh, he was, he was definitely like an Oath Keeper style police officer. But he said, you know, there's a lot of homegrown terrorists, and I kind of I discussed the MIAC report. I talked to him about the MIAC report, and uh, you know, third-party candidates, people who make numerous references to the Constitution, people who are against the Federal Reserve, being classified and lumped in with you know ex real extremist groups and stuff. And they were very understanding. It seemed like it kind of got his gears turning because that's the first he had heard about that. It just goes to show the level of compartmentalization. Yeah, and you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and now even Air America is trying to say, beware of this homegrown terrorism. Well, Josh, if you could hold on the line, and we'll get to also Wayne, the organizer, uh, Wayne Walton, the organizer for We Are Change Tampa, get back uh, to you both on the line. This is uh, the Liberation Station radio show. The website is theliberationstation.com. We'll be right back. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg, and AM 1350, WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel. CNN Radio, I'm Pat St. Clair. There may be a breakthrough in H1N1 vaccine testing. CNN's April Williams reports that means supplies may not be strained as much as officials first thought. One dose of the swine flu vaccine seems to be effective in combating the virus in adults. It was concerned that you would need two doses of the standard type of vaccine, which would have implications for supply, as well as implications for whether or not you'd be even capable of inducing a response that you would predict would be protective. Dr. Anthony Fauci with the National Institutes of Health says it's still unclear how much children will need. The clinical trials in children who generally, even with seasonal flu, require two shots. Fauci says officials will know more about vaccinations for children in a couple of weeks. April Williams, CNN. Wall Street stocks surged Thursday as investors got a sense that things may be getting a little better with the economy. The Dow Jones Industrials gained 80 points to close at their highest level since last October. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she was shocked when Congress 
Congressman Joe Wilson shouted out, you lie, during President Obama's speech on health care last night. It was stunning to hear such a statement made on the floor of the House the president of the United States is speaking. Wilson later apologized. It is another night in space for the crew of the space shuttle Discovery. Two attempts to land today were scrubbed due to bad weather. Mission Control gave the word to Commander Rick Sterko. Okay, Houston, we copy that, and we know everybody worked it as hard as they could, and we'll uh, look forward to trying again tomorrow. Stormy weather is also predicted for tomorrow at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The wait has ended for football fans. The NFL kicked off its formal opener tonight with the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Tennessee Titans. Last year, the Titans beat the Steelers, but Pittsburgh went on to win the Super Bowl. Currently, the score is tied at seven going into the half. The most trusted name in news, this is CNN Radio. Is Downtown Dave. How would you like to be able to promote yourself, your business, or someone else's business for less than the cost of one 60 second commercial on many Tampa Bay radio stations? Here's the deal you can have your own one hour radio program on the Tan Talk Network for less than the cost of one 60 second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Your program will be on two Tampa Bay radio stations and will cover four million people in Florida plus worldwide on the internet in both audio and video. And you'll have a web link for your business on the Tan Talk. Talk 1340 website. We provide the producer, the state-of-the-art equipment, free production of commercials, and much more. Check it out today. Call Lola O'Brien, the Irish Hawaiian, at 727-510-7622. That's 510-7622. Call Lola O'Brien now, 727-510-7622. Call now, and your one-hour radio program can start tomorrow. Call 510-7622 for Lola O'Brien, the Irish Hawaiian, at the Tan Talk Radio Network. The Rays on the radio. This is the Rays Report with Rich Herrera. The Rays finished up the four-game set with the New York Yankees. Unfortunately, the Yankees will prevail in all four games. Here's what happened. The Rays get off to a nice start with Jason Bartlett with this leadoff home run versus Java Chamberlain. To one pitch lifted in the air to deep left field. Back towards the corner goes Johnny Damon back to the wall. He jumps up. Gone. Home run. The Rays were holding on to a 2-0 lead going into the eighth. Was not to be. Jorge Posada comes off the bench. and It's a three-run bomb to give the Yankees a 4-2 lead. The 3-2 pitch. Ripped to right field and deep. And this ball is going to get out of here. Are you kidding me? Yankees win 4-2, sweep the Rays. An off day for the Rays today. Back in action on Friday at Fenway Park. You can catch it all right here on the Rays Baseball Network. Catch the Rays all season long on the Rays Radio Network. For tickets, log on to RaysBaseball.com. Rays Baseball on WDCF 1350. Financial crisis. National debt overload. Global economic stress. Economic recession. Are you fed up with all the bad news but don't know what to do? First off, you do not have to agree with a gloomy future. Help is possible. To get practical tips and ideas on how to regain your confidence and improve the financial future of your business or career, no matter what, join international speaker and business coach Patrick Valtan and a panel of local successful business owners on September 19th and 20th for the Crisis Buster event 2009 in Clearwater, Florida. There's limited seating, so register today by calling 877 831 2299 or visit our website at crisisbuster.com that's crisisbuster.com this event is being co-sponsored by the tampa bay informer the good news newspaper for more good news go to tampabayinformer.com 
This is Wayne Walton with the RedPillRadio.com. Our constitutional republic is under attack by globalist central bankers. During the Katrina tragedy, U.S. citizens were subjected to a gun roundup and a blockade of New Orleans. Unalienable rights given by God were suspended by the globalist George Bush. Oath Keepers is an association of currently serving military veterans and peace officers who will fulfill their oath to the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic. Go to OathKeepers.org to reaffirm your oath to the Constitution, not to tyrants. The Federal Reserve is the private banking cartel, which is in charge of the U.S. monetary system. Listen to Thomas Jefferson as he gives a warning of what this institution will give to the United States of America. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks, which grow up and around them, will deprive the people of all of their property until their children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Listen weekdays 9 to 10 for more details. And welcome back to the Liberation Station Radio Show. I'm your host, Chris Steiner, and we're talking about the 8th anniversary of 9-11, which is tomorrow. This is the September 10th edition of the Liberation Station Radio Show, and we're talking all about 9-11 tonight. You can reach us in Pinellas County at 727-441-3000, Pinellas County, Florida, 727-441-3000, toll free, 866-826-1340, that's 866-TAN-1340. The Alltel free call is star 1340, that's for Alltel cell phone customers, is star 1340. And I'd like to hear what you think about the official story of 9-11 and... What was going through your mind? Where were you on the day of 9-11? Uh, what, did it, what did you think? And has your opinion changed? Uh, did you have any opinion about uh, the events of 9-11? Did you doubt the official story or did you uh, buy into it and perhaps change your mind as so many people have according to so many different, uh, so many different surveys? There, there's uh, the Zogby poll. There's a... Um, um, the Angus and Reed poll, the uh, New York Times poll, Mason Dixon poll, uh, a couple others I'm sure I'm missing, and uh, they all say that uh, they all come out with the same results. All these polls say that about two thirds of American don't Americans do not believe the official story of 9/11. It's about a third of Americans who. Uh, don't believe that uh, the government is telling us uh, the whole story, that there's some kind of a cover-up. Another third believe that it was a complete inside job. And about another third believe the official story. So we have two-thirds of Americans who don't believe the government, and they have a credibility crisis, to say the least. So uh, it just seems like uh, this is an issue that uh, is really needs to be front and center because it's the basis for our entire uh, foreign policy in the Middle East. And uh, we're getting back uh, to Josh, uh, the organizer for We Are Change, Joshua Parrish on the line. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Hey, organizer for We Are Change Orlando, thanks. Welcome back. 
Thank, thanks for joining us again. We were talking about uh, before we left. You were talking a little. Did you want to continue talking about uh, what was what your experience was uh, today in Orlando with uh, Homeland Security and taking over the local police department? Could you explain that a little bit again for the audience? Uh, certainly. Yes, we went to a uh, first responders benefit at the First Baptist Church in Orlando, which had a pretty good good size attendance, and we gave out a lot of literature on Oath Keepers on uh, vaccinations for first responders and on uh, firefighters for 9-11 Truth. And we gave out literature on the Feel Good Foundation. And, and, and while we were out there, we happened to uh, spot a homeland, an Orange County Homeland Security trailer, which we thought was very interesting. We took several pictures of it. And then we, I was actually, we went inside and I was able to do an interview with one of the sheriffs there who did, you know, he was very, very gentlemanly, very courteous. And he did pretty much let us know that uh, Homeland Security has pretty much usurped all of our local law enforcement, that everything is becoming federalized in the name of fighting uh, al-Qaeda and homegrown terrorists. So that was a pretty big development for uh, Orange County. Wow. Well, any excuse to fight al-Qaeda? And, uh, and I wanted to, uh, I forgot, Joshua, to let you know that uh, in the audience we have joining us this hour um, in the studio, we have joining us Dennis and Zolt. So uh, if you could just say hello to each other. Hello. Hey. How are we doing, gentlemen? Hey, welcome on board. And, uh, and we're all just uh, here as a roundtable discussion talking about 9-11. So, um, yeah, that, that's... Uh, that that uh, story you just gave us it shows how the implications are the ripple effect you could say of of 9/11 continues because of this uh, this whole apparatus being turned inward on on the American people rather than fighting Al Qaeda. Certainly. Hey, uh, uh, Josh, I meant to ask uh, that video you saw that today. That was uh, yesterday. Actually, it was the day before yesterday. It was Tuesday evening. We went, and that's when we witnessed that. Uh, we're going to have a YouTube video up shortly documenting everything on our YouTube channel. We are WAC. You know, it's just, it's just getting astonishing how much is coming at us fast and furious. You can't even keep up with it anymore. Certainly. And I'm, I'm not sure if you guys were, were given this, this information as well, but we, we attended one of the big tea parties here uh, a few weeks ago, and actually representatives from We Are Changed Tampa came down. We had a pretty large showing. And uh, they completely tried to kick us out. They said they didn't get a chance to pre-screen our literature. And because we were handing out literature about 9-11 about Truth and uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, they wanted to kick us out. They didn't want us to participate in their First Amendment Tea Party. Gee. Well, Josh, we're losing your signal, but um, tell us again what uh, you're, you're an, uh, a member of Oath Keepers and what's their website? Uh, oathkeepers.org. I can read you now. Okay. Oath dash, is that oath-keepers.org or just oathkeepers.org? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Is that oathkeepers or is there a dash in there somewhere? Uh, no, it is uh, www.oathkeepers.org. Okay. Oathkeepers.org. And those are uh, the guardians of the Republic, the uh, the servicemen who... The guardians of the Republic. These are These are active duty... Uh, military, ex-military, currently serving uh, law enforcement, police officers, firefighters, anyone who has ever had to take an oath to the Constitution is kind of their venue, regardless of political ideology, to publicly reaffirm their constitutional oath again and say, we will not disarm the American people. Uh, we will not uh, search and uh, seize property of the American people without a warrant. 
it's pretty much we will obey the Constitution, and we will defend it not only from foreign enemies, but domestic enemies. And by domestic, they're not talking about the mainstream media-fueled uh, homegrown terrorists. They're talking about domestic enemies of the Constitution, like political leaders who serve the interests of uh, the military-industrial complex and the private banking cartels opposed to the American people as the Constitution uh, suggests and forces. Yeah, Josh, I think we're, we've lost your signal. Are you there? There he was. Yeah, Go yeah. Well, uh, the, the, yeah. The Oath Keepers is, is a great organization, and they've also been. Uh, I need to mention uh, that they're also being attacked by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, who won't they attack? Who's uh, a Chris, defender of freedom? Chris, could, yes. Could you read the ten points for Oath Keepers? Oh, well, I, I, yeah, we can get into that another time. But, uh, yeah, the Oath Keepers uh, have 10 points. And the first one is, well, it is basically <laughs> says that they won't disarm the American people or they won't follow unconstitutional orders. They won't uh, max, mass vaccinate. and her, uh, That's uh, actually worthy of doing a whole show on that whole topic. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so... Um, but I, what I was saying here, I'm just uh, pulling up the, the information here on the Southern Poverty Law Center. They're, they're going after Oath Keepers now. These, uh, the, I, mean, I don't see how they could, but uh, they're, what they're doing is uh, providing the uh, Department of Homeland Security through these leaked documents, these, these leaked reports like the, the MIAC report, um, the Missouri Information Access Center, uh, and, the, and these other reports, the uh, domestic terrorist lexicon, and the basis for all this is the Anti-Defamation League and uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, who was caught either, uh, either well, they had foreknowledge of uh, Elohim City, but perhaps funded Elohim City, the uh, white supremacist compound that Tim McVeigh was uh, affiliated with, and uh, this has come out in Salt Lake City Tribune articles. Uh, Jesse Trentadu, attorney Jesse Trentadu, is uh, an attorney whose brother was uh, murdered due to uh, being confused apparently with uh, John Doe Number Two of the Oklahoma City bombing. And so, through his lawsuit, through Attorney Jesse Trentadu's lawsuit, this came out about Southern Poverty Law Center. They were caught. Fund, they either uh, ran or funded Elohim City and at the very least had foreknowledge of it. So, um, I, yeah. remember, I remember that story actually that Trinidad, that guy yeah. was like a spitting image for Terry Nichols. And uh, because the, the description came up about him, they just they did a bad number on him. They put him in the jail cell. They beat him mm -hmm. to death. Over-enthusiastic interrogation is what they called it. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, they, the Southern Poverty Law Center also need to bring up the point that uh, they, they've left a post on their website for over four months. Uh, one, of their, one of their believers, um, one of their followers, thinks uh, that Alex Jones ought to be executed, and they've left that post mm -hmm. up on there for four months. They've gone after uh, they've de Southern Poverty Law Center has designated Joyce Riley as a terrorist in a book that they sent to the FBI claiming that uh, Joyce Riley uh, was accusing the government of causing Gulf War Syndrome when she was exposing a lot of uh, how there were well, releases by Saddam Hussein. I, you can't claim hmm. that the government caused Gulf War Syndrome, but you can 
prove and show through uh, things like the Regal Report and uh, as documented in her documentaries, uh, Gulf War Illness, Fact or Fiction, and uh, Beyond Treason, the fact that uh, these weapons were given to Saddam Hussein and he probably used them on our own soldiers. So there's the Southern Poverty Law Center um, for you. And, and I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that they're so highly discredited. They they try to associate Alex Jones with uh, Poplowski, the shooter, and uh, the, even though they, they, they had proof to the uh, contrary, it's, and they've had to issue that retraction among other retractions. So uh, they really have no credit. And, uh, and they're just basically all they're saying these days is anybody who doesn't like Obama's policies just wants him to fail because he's a black man. And that's all I hear out of them and, uh, and their members and, you know, and the Mark Potok, their leader. And uh, gosh, it's just, a, a, it's just an amazingly um, corrupt uh, uh, source of information. <laughs> well, think of the positive. Disinformation. Think of the positive side. They give Pravda a good name. That's right. <laughs> and Al Jazeera and all those other places. But at least those other news outlets are honest comparatively. Yeah, comparatively, relatively. I mean, they're all owned by certain people at the top. So we won't go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly true. Well, um, I'm going to get back here on uh, the. Uh, points uh, that uh, that Charlie Sheen has. Uh, let me get back to that window here. That uh, Charlie Sheen was uh, uh, this interview entitled 20 Minutes with the President." That Charlie Sheen uh, hypothetically conducted this interview with uh, President Obama. So this is not an actual interview. No, this is not an actual. I was going to say that there's no way he would have lasted five minutes alone with that person. <laughs> right. Well, without a teleprompter, I don't think so. But if, uh, yeah, if this was um, if this was an actual interview, you'd you'd be hearing it played right now, rather than uh, radio radio theater. I guess. But it, it is a theatrical uh, text. It, it's a novel, you could say, and a novel idea because it it gets the interest of of the of the uh, of how this um, you know how would you see how could you you visualize it. It, such a conversation going with the president and uh, him entertaining the conversation would be an accomplishment in itself. But, um, you know, this is, this is uh, continuing with uh, point number six of uh, 20 minutes with the president. And it's posted over on the website at theliberationstation.com, but uh, this is from prisonplanet.com originally. Point number six, three F-16s assigned, assigned to Andrews Air Force Base 10 miles from Washington, D.C., are conducting training exercises in North Carolina 207 miles away as the first plane crashes into the World Trade Center. Even at significantly less than their top speed of 1,500 miles per hour, they could still have defended the skies over Washington well before 9 a.m., more than 37 minutes before Flight 77 crashes into the Pentagon. However, they did not return until after 9.55 a.m. Hmm. Andrews Air Force Base had no armed fighters on alert and ready to take off on the morning of 9-11. Isn't it, don't, isn't, wasn't there a White House staffer that was on uh, duty with uh, Cheney in one of the bunkers? That reported what was the stand-down yeah, that, order. That was Norman Mineta, the uh, former. Yeah, that, that's something else Charlie brings up here is uh, Norman Mineta, the former uh, FCC chairman. Uh, I'm pardon me, FAA chairman, Federal Aviation Administration chairman, and uh, in a former confrontation, or I guess you could say um, 
ambush journalism somebody conducted on him and it asked uh, Norman Mineta the question and it did implicate Cheney uh, but um, yeah, that's uh, that's amazing uh, how Norman Mineta. That's uh, that's the one admission of Cheney in the bunker that uh, the 9/11 Commission allowed in their report. Now, uh, point number seven, World Trade Center Building Seven. Watch the video of its collapse. Number eight, Flight 93 is fourth plane to crash on 9/11 at 10:03 a.m. Vice President Cheney only gives shootdown order at 10:10 through. 10:12 a.m., and this is not communicated to NORAD until 28 minutes after Flight 93 had crashed. Fueling further suspicion on this front is the fact that three months before the attacks of 9/11, Dick Cheney usurped control of NORAD, and therefore he, and no one else on planet Earth, had the power to call for military sorties on the hijacked airliners on 9/11. He did not exercise that power. Three months after 9/11, he relinquished command of NORAD and returned it to military operation. Number nine, <clears throat> scores of mainstream news uh, outlets reported that the FBI conducted an investigation of at least five of the 9-11 hijackers being trained at U.S. military flight schools. Those investigations are now sealed and need to be declassified. Number 10, in 2004, the New York firefighters Mike Ballone and Nicholas DeMassey went public to say they had found the black boxes at the World Trade Center, but were told to keep their mouths shut by FBI agents. Nicholas DeMassey said that he escorted federal agents on all-terrain vehicles in October 2001 and helped them locate the devices, a story backed up by the rescue volunteer Mike Ballone, or Baloney, I'm, I'm not sure how it's uh, pronounced, it's spelled B as in boy, E-L-L-O-N-E. -L -L -E. And uh, as the Philadelphia Daily News reported at the time, quote, their story raises the question of whether there was some type of cover-up at Ground Zero, end quote. Number 11, hundreds of eyewitnesses, including first reporters, fire captains, news reporters, and police, all described multiple explosions at both towers before and during the collapse. And uh, if you'd like to reach us here, uh, we're going over the 20 minutes with the president, a hypothetical interview that Charlie Sheen conducted with President Obama. And uh, it's getting a lot of media attention outside of the United States, which is why we're reporting on it, because eventually they'll get around to it. <laughs> it seems that uh, the international press is more interested in American foreign policy than the American press. If you'd like to reach us here in Pinellas County, Florida, the phone number is 727-441-3000, 727-441-3000. Toll free, the number is 866-826-1340. That's 866-TAN-1340. And the all-tell free call is star 1340. The website is theliberationstation.com. And uh, what's that, Zolt? Uh, the fact that um, Charlie Sheen is even doing this and rising to the occasion is a celebrity bomb. And mm. it's very welcome. Mm. Very welcome. Especially yeah. on the 8th anniversary, it's very, very welcome. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing that he's sticking his neck out there. What does he have to? What does he have to gain? Or he has everything to lose. And he's in our prayers, absolutely. Yes, yeah. he's in our prayers, and and we need to make sure of the, of, uh, of him and his family and uh, people like Alex Jones who are exposing uh, all this information. So many people like uh, so many truth warriors, uh, info mm. warriors, and truth seekers need to be um, kept in our prayers. Has Martin Sheen come up on this topic or no? I know he did for the TV show to some extent that he was doing the West Wing, or as I like to refer to it, Worst Wing. <laughs> mm. No, I'm not. I'm not sure whether he. I'm did. not sure where he's. He used yeah. to be a big activist. Yeah, yeah. And whatever I mean, happened he's... to uh, Emilio Estevez? You know the other Sheen. Oh, I'm sure there are, there are lots of other celebrities who Alex. Well, well, Alec ought to be a little more um, discreet in, in mentioning their names, but Alex, he's come across as implying that they have, they also know or and believe 9/11 is an inside job, and uh, you know it just. <laughs> you look at these heroes on TV and in behind the scenes, the ones who come out and jeopardize everything and, and face a lot of harassment, are are the true heroes. Hopefully, um, Charlie Sheen can exponentiate this. Um celebrity bomb and get other celebrities to join him besides Rosie O'Donnell. I'm sure there are others mm. that are um, alert, aware, and want to be active. And Charlie Sheen is setting a, a precedent. They should join him. They should. Mm-hmm. He's a great model. Yeah, and they, they, got, they got to come out against this swine care, you know. Yeah, yeah, this is, you know, th- that's another false flag uh, thing, the incident that we're just trying to avoid. I mean, it's all, uh, this is all... All the issues that he's bringing up here, 9-11 is just the most recent and probably most dramatic and eighth deadly. Eighth anniversary. Mm-hmm. The eighth, eighth anniversary of 9-11, but it's still the the most deadly inside job, self-inflicted wound, mm-hmm. false flag attack. And uh, we don't want to have another one, even if it's uh, uh, fake uh, pandemic flu or, you know, mm-hmm. it's Educate. just a quarantine and shoot us up. It's actually the 18th anniversary if you think about it, because what what happened in two thousand? Uh, no, I'm sorry, 1990, 1990, when Bush Sr. went before the UN General Assembly and talked about a new, on September 11th. Okay, gotcha. During that year, he says, there it is coming over the horizon, a new world order shining into view or something. I forget the exact text. A thousand points of light. And yes, he did. A thousand points of light. New world speech. Or, but the first time he brought up New World Order, too. Right? It was on September 11th. Had PNAC been written then? No, I, that was written in 2000. Okay. Uh, and, then, and it's interesting that uh, PNAC, Project for New American Century, has been taken off. Now it was mm-hmm. pulled offline a few months ago, I think about a year or so ago. And, yeah, about uh, a year. But it's been mirrored on different university sites uh, for posterity to show their bold-faced intention of conducting false flag terrorism on the scale of a new Pearl Harbor. And let's let's uh, name names. Who was involved with that? Let's see. That would be uh, Condoleezza Rice. Um, oh, Jeb Bush. Jeb uh, Bush. Yeah, Cheney. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. And Wolfowitz and Pearl and, uh, I, I, gosh, it, there's a whole list of different contributors to, to PNAC. But. but there were certain really prominent people, one of which was Cheney, one of which was Rice, and the other one was, oh, I can't think of the guy's name. It's driving me nuts. He used to be, like, the Speaker of the House during the Slick Willie years. Um, I can't, I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah, it's it, I can't, you mean it's on the tip of my tongue. It's some Tip pet, O'Neill? Yeah, no, there you no, go. It, wasn't, it wasn't Tip O'Neill. It was after him though. <laughs> okay. No, tip O'Neill was uh, right after. It's a, that's why I'm saying the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's 
But uh, yeah, it, it, anyway, it's just a you know bunch of scoundrels who who yeah. uh, shysters of murderers who wrote Project for a New American Century. But there were prominent people in very mm-hmm. prominent government positions writing this how they're going to destroy America and merge it into something new, which mm-hmm. is what the Project for a New American Century is. Was Brezzy B involved in that, uh, Chris, as you like to call him? Uh, no, I don't think Ziggy B was. Ziggy but, B. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah. And, and, uh, well, that was Carter's national security advisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cheney also wrote in PNAC under America, Rebuilding America's Defense, as he, he wrote, uh, we need to, quote, legit, legitimize through our friends in the press and the use of race-specific bioweapons in conflicts in the Middle East, end quote. So he's talking about race-specific bioweapons. And uh, just think if our enemies were to make such talk, you know, talk about, even think, contemplate using race-specific bioweapons against uh, their enemies, uh, such as ourselves, then uh, we would nuke them probably right away, wouldn't we? Newt Gingrich, that's the other person for the You're project. You're right. PNAC. Mm-hmm. Uncle Newt. Newt Gingrich. A contract Uncle on, Newt. Contract. Uncle Newt was one of the co-conspirators on the PNAC. The contract on America. Yep. Contract yeah. on America. Mm-hmm. Didn't he condemn... Uh, um, never mind. <laughs> Yes, he did. Uh, but remember, it's all that. one big gentleman's mm-hmm. <clears throat> club well, up there. Well, that's another show. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, continuing yes. here, let's uh, continue here on, on number 12, uh, 20 Minutes with the President. An astounding video uncovered from the archives shows BBC News correspondent Jane Stanley reporting on the collapse of World Trade Center Building 7 over 20 minutes before it fell at 5.20 p.m. on the afternoon of 9-11. Tapes from earlier BBC broadcasts show news anchors discussing the collapse of World Trade Center 7, and by the way, they refer to it as the Solomon Brothers Building, a full 26 minutes in advance. The BBC at first claimed that their tapes from 9-11 had been quote-unquote lost before admitting that they had made the quote-unquote error of reporting the collapse of World Trade Center 7 before it had happened without adequately explaining how they could have obtained advanced knowledge of the event. Yes, but it was standing in the video right behind the broadcasters without significant Mm -hmm. damage. Exactly. Without uh, damage, and they're announcing ahead of time its collapse. In addition, over an hour before the collapse of World Trade Center at 4.10 p.m., CNN's Aaron Brown reported that the building, quote, has either collapsed or is collapsing, end quote. And he says that, he, he pauses as he says that, looking behind him, noticing that Building 7 is still standing. That's why he says, has either collapsed or is collapsing. Well, Aaron Brown had to improvise, do a little bit of ad lib on his scripting. And uh, so, you know, obviously there was some scripting going on. Yeah, any minute now. It's going to come down any second. It's uh, it's 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 it looks like it's it's a little bit uh, shaky here, uh, you know, as if he could tell. But, you know, he he was obviously scripted. I saw a video recently. Uh, someone had a video and it showed some of the construction workers on the street. And they were saying to the camera guys, you guys better move out. That building's coming down any second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, lots of when you look like at the that. building, it wasn't damaged enough to come down. But the construction guys know that it's going to come down. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care what kind of iron worker you are. There's right. no way you know a building that that's, that's built that sturdy is coming down without knowing that someone planted explosives. Exactly. Uh, and Mike, we'll get right to you in just a moment. We have Mike on the line. But, um, yeah, it's funny that how... 
Neil Bortz, another uh, despicable commentator I've called on the radio about this, a uh, talk show host, and, and uh, I've asked him, you know, how can you say that the—he he says that the sounds of, that, of explosions that some of the people in the buildings heard was, was actually uh, the, the bodies of the people jumping and landing on the roof of the lobby. Well, just see, I thought the lobby is located outside of a building, not on the inside. It makes no sense. No. He comes up with this stuff, the sophistry, stuff that, well, okay, it, it sounds like it makes sense, but it, it, he know, is provably false, demonstrably false, and he, he thinks that people are going to just go along with it. When I called him on it, he just asked me again if I'm an Alex Jones supporter and, hmm. and went off, but uh, on Alex Jones as, as his... As a, as the target of his aggression so easy even a caveman could make it up <laughs> exactly yeah and uh and that's exactly that's what he 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 uh plays us for fools he thinks that we're fools and that's the way it is with so many of these other talk show hosts come up with things that is, are based on nothing not even uh nist reports or the official story they, they just come up with this out of the blue and they don't even give any attribution as to the authority uh mike uh, we have mike on the line Yes, Mike. I'm sorry for taking so long. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you, sir. That wasn't a long wait at all. Uh, I'd like to first off say thanks to your last caller. Uh, uh, he hit the nail on the head when he said uh, they've already told us that Building 7 was going to collapse, and uh, it certainly did. Yes, that's Dennis here in the studio. Yes, and uh, and that's right. That's We have both. We have two examples of Aaron, Aaron Brown and Jane Stanley reporting the collapse of Building 7 or the Solomon Brothers building well before it actually happened. And uh, Building 7 wasn't even struck by anything, uh, they say, falling debris. And it was the building in the World Trade Center complex that was the furthest away from Buildings 1 and 2, which were hit by planes. You know, I don't know if anybody's actually seen any of the video footage. Buildings 4, 5, and 6 had to be taken down several weeks later. But they were closer. In fact, they were in the debris path. But they were built with similar construction techniques to the two towers. And they had to actually go in, plant explosives, and pull them. And they have video footage of that, but it's very rare and hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is look on uh, YouTube, look, uh, do 9-11 squibs, S-Q-U-I-B-B-S is how that's spelled, 9-11 squibs. You'll see the little mm -hmm. blast points of the, uh, the blasts consecutively going down uh, a few moments before their respective floors collapse. Well, good luck getting a valid person to analyze it because most of the thermite and therm therm was it thermite and thermite experts now work for NIST. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they're the ones who are trying to debunk the architects and engineers for 9-11 truth. Mike. So, yeah. M Mike, uh, what, what did you think about 9-11 when you first, uh, on the morning of 9-11? Uh, well, on the morning of 9-11, I was working in a military hospital in Colorado, and they told us, you have 30 minutes to get off base, and uh, we'll let you know when you can come back to work. And uh, I went home and watched the continuation of events, and... Uh, Given my training as a military um, policeman, I, I understood what occurred the moment I saw it. Those buildings were blown up, and they fell into a pile of powder, not a pancake collapse, as we were told. If, if you have a pancake collapse, you might have a stack of pancakes at the bottom. But we certainly didn't on that day. Uh, most recent reports have confirmed 
the residue of unexploded and exploded thermite material at Ground Zero. And many people in New York City saved the dust from their yards, from their balconies, from their patios, from their cars, uh, from the places that their dogs and children walked. Uh, and, uh, and dare I say that all of those people got sick from that disgusting material that was declared safe to breathe on the 18th of September by the head of the EPA, Christine former mayor Tyler. of New Jersey, uh, I'm sorry, former governor of New Jersey, Christine Whitman. She lied, and people continue to die from the poisonous dust they breathed in at Ground Zero. Uh, after eight years, we have not had an honest investigation. America deserves better. Our first responders deserve better. It's time we got the truth out of this event, as it was called by many others before we called it an, an event. Yeah, we do need the truth, and uh, that's what we're trying to find. Uh, we're, we're getting more information, more and more information that uh, the study that uh, you're, I think you're referring to that um, is by uh, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Uh, let me first give the title of the study. is a active thermitic material discovered in dust from the 9-11 World Trade Center catastrophe um, that indicates unexploded nanothermite found in the World Trade Center dust. And uh, this uh, evidence includes things like electron microscope um, evidence of, of uh, this nanothermite. And uh, the architects and engineers, uh, if you want to uh, access this report, uh, you can go to uh, ae911truth.org, I believe. Let me pull up the... Uh, I think I have the website here. Yeah, AE911Truth.org. That stands for Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. AE911Truth.org, uh, Journal of 9-11Studies.com, and uh, 9-11Scholars.org is another good site. But uh, this report, again, is at AE911Truth.org. And, uh, and this is just uh, mind-blowing proof that there were explosives of the, the nanothermite uh, being one of the explosives planted at the World Trade Center towers to uh, to bring them down. So uh, at least we have some kind of proof that uh, you know that is peer reviewed, and uh, and there really hasn't been any kind of debunking of it. There's only been a very superficial attacks by uh, yellow journalist Purse uh, Publishing and their Popular Science. So, so Mike, uh, we appreciate your call and uh, call back in again. Uh, thanks for thanks for all your input and, and your service to our country too. Well, thank you, my friend, for your time and uh, your listeners as well. Uh, I, I'd like to encourage them to continue to research, not give up, uh, continue to build their food supplies and their water filters. Uh, mm, yes. Uh, the economic they told us Building Seven would collapse before it did, and if if the folks we are speaking to understand and have them paying attention, they understand the economy will collapse also at some point. So what we will do to prepare for this and take action after it occurs is what will count. And uh, thank you, my friend, for your time, and I appreciate your listeners' time. Well, thanks, Mike. You have a good night. Good night. And, uh, yeah, don't forget gas masks, too. If they're going to be setting off bombs in our neighborhoods, we need to get some mm -hmm. gas masks <laughs> or blowing up buildings. Uh, Chris. Mm -hmm. Yes, Holt? On 9-11, uh, I was living in Virginia Beach. My brother and sister-in-law were working for Christy Todd Whitman at the EPA. My mom was southeast of Shanksville in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. 
next to Gettysburg. And so I was concerned. I couldn't get on the phone to him all day till later that evening. But um, my mom was okay. She wasn't that close to Shanksville. It was about 90 miles southeast of them. And my brother and sister-in-law, employees of uh, Christy Ty Whitman's EPA, um, my sister-in-law said that um, she just had them go outside on the day when the, when the Pentagon was hit, and they could see the smoke. They were out, all out in the sidewalk. You know, Christy Ty Whitman, the, the air is clear. Um, so um, she just, everybody, she had every, all her employees come outside of the building, and she said where they were standing they could see the uh, smoke from the Pentagon. And I have a Jeb Bush comment, or if you want to get it later. Was your, by the way, was your mother one of those uh, civilians that they rounded up to go help no, find she, debris? I she know was they did 90 that miles away, no. Because I know they did that with one of the towns out that way. Yeah, I, I was concerned. I couldn't get through to, to them all day. So I like I had um, relatives that were in the vicinity mm. and one directly uh, in Washington, D.C., EPA's uh, Christy Todd. You know, the air is mm. clear. Yeah, just for the sake of Wall Street business. Yeah, a friend of mine and I were actually, uh, we lived in, uh, he was my roommate at the time, and uh, we lived up near Boston, and we, he worked third shift. He'd just gotten home like an hour earlier, and he was sitting down, relaxed at the TV. I saw what was going on on my TV in my room. I came running out to the living room, and I just grabbed the remote and switched it, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I put that on, and we were like, wow, that set the tone for the day. And then all of a sudden, we watched the other plane hit live. I was ready. I had a bag packed. I would call the buddy down in Connecticut. I was ready to go down there and let's go help f- look for survivors. That's the thoughts that went through our mind at the time. Yeah, you were nearby. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, actually, relatively. it would have taken a relatively nearby. I mean, it would have taken. Like here to Orlando? No, a little more than that. I mean, time wise, it would be more like going over to uh, maybe to Miami, distance wise, because I was going to stop by my buddy's place in Connecticut. We were going to drive down together and go do the help. And I'm now. He called me right before I was ready. I was literally about to head out the door. He called me and says, no, they're not letting people near the place. And it makes sense now, knowing what people went through, how they were damaged. I mean, and this is a, a special uh, call out to anybody out there who knows um, those that have been hurt, helping out first responders, what have you, anybody that breathed in that dust. You can do a detox to some extent, so you can make your circumstances better if you suffered from that. It may not be a perfect thing mm-hmm. to do, but... It, you still have asbestos and things in glass and bone, human bone lodged in, yeah, they, they, in your lungs. If you're they, Well, there's there's some things you can't obviously get up, but mm-hmm. there are some things you can do to detox yourself. And yeah, people yeah need it's to know an amazing ability of the body to detox itself if it's given the right, uh, the right supplements and nutrients. And for some people, that might even that little improvement could be uh, better than what they're yeah. dealing with now. Yeah, so I researched some natural um, solutions, and uh, we've talked about that in the past on on uh, some of the detox uh, supplements that are out there. There's so many, but uh, uh, in the limited time we have left here, I'm going to continue on uh, point number 13 of 20 minutes with the president that Charlie Sheen reported. Uh, this is a hypothetical interview. And uh, this point number 13, Solicitor General T- Ted Olson's claim that his wife, Barbara Olson called him twice from Flight 77, describing hijack, hijackers with box cutters was a central plank of the official 9-11 story. 
However, the credibility of the story was completely undermined after Olson kept changing his story about whether his wife used her cell phone on the airplane phone. The technology to enable cell phone calls from high-altitude airline flights was not created until 2004. American Airlines confirmed that Flight 77 was a Boeing 757 and that this plane did not have airplane phones on board. According to the FBI, Barbara Olson attempted to call her husband only once and then, and the call failed to connect. Therefore, Olson must have been lying when he claimed he had spoken to his wife from Flight 77. Oh, wait a minute. Those planes were out of service, all three, all four of them, for about a year prior to 9-11. Mm-hmm. And just before 9-11, they, they were, were all together, all the same time, put on the docket to be used in rotation. So maybe during that time, they installed some new equipment that the military wanted to test. So it's possible. Maybe they could have made that call. Mm-hmm. And they only had about, each plane had only had about a third, it was filled with only about a third of capacity, which is just another strange, uh, <laughs> strange um fact. Uh, that's not really a coincidence. I mean, I think they'd want to make some money with their planes. Uh, point number 14, the size of Boeing 757, of a Boeing 757 is approximately 125 feet in width, and yet images of the impact zone at the Pentagon supposedly caused by the crash merely show a hole no more than 16 feet in diameter. The engines of the 757 would have punctured a hole bigger than this, never mind the whole plane. Images before the partial collapse of the impact zone show little real impact damage and a sparse debris field completely inconsistent with the crash of a large jetliner, especially when contrasted with other images showing airplane crashes into buildings. Number 15, what is the meaning behind the following quote attributed to Dick Cheney, which came to light during the 9-11 commission hearings? The passage is taken from testimony given by then Secretary of Transportation Norman Mineta. He was Secretary of Transportation, so I'm correcting myself earlier. I I thought he was the uh, chairman of the uh, FAA, but uh, okay, so the uh, former Secretary of Transportation, Norman Mineta, said, uh, according to the 9-11 Commission report, quote, during the time that the airplane was coming into the Pentagon, there was a young man who would come in and say to the vice president, quote, the plane is 50 miles out, end quote, quote, the plane is 30 miles out, end quote. And when it got down to the plane is 10 miles out, quote unquote, the young man also said to the vice president, quote, do the orders still stand, end quote. And the vice president turned and whipped his neck around and said, quote, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything to the contrary, end quote. As the plane was not shot down, in addition to the fact that the armed fighter jets were nowhere near the plane and the Pentagon defensive system was not activated, are we to take it that the orders were to let the plane find its target? Number 16. In May 2003, the Miami Herald reported how the Bush administration was refusing to release a 900-page congressional report on 9-11 because it wanted to, quote, avoid enshrining embarrassing details in the report, end quote particularly regarding pre-9-11 warnings as well as the fact that the hijackers were trained at U.S. flight schools. Number 17, top Pentagon officials canceled their scheduled flights for September 11th on September 10th. San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown, following a security warning, canceled a flight into New York that was scheduled for the morning of 9-11. Number 18, the technology to enable cell phone calls from high-altitude airline flights was not created until 2004, and even by that point it was only in the trial phase. Calls from cell phones which 
formed an integral part of the official government version of events were technologically impossible at the time. Number 19, on April 9th, uh, pardon me, on April 29th, 2004, President Bush and Vice President Cheney would only meet with the commission under specific clandestine conditions. They insisted on testifying together and not under oath. They also demanded that their testimony be treated as a matter of quote-unquote state secret. To date, nothing they spoke of that day exists in the public domain. And finally, Mr. President, number 20. A few days after the attack, several newspapers as well as the FBI reported that a paper passport had been found in the ruins of the World Trade Center. In August 2004, CNN reported that 9-11 hijacker Ziad Jara's visa was found in the remains of Flight 93, which went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And I have to interject here that I, I guess these hijackers, every time they counterfeit a, uh, an ID, they must uh, know how to coat it with asbestos and heat treat it to survive these infernos. Mm -hmm. And continuing, at least a third of the World Trade Center's victims' bodies were vaporized and many of the victims of the Pentagon incident were burned beyond recognition. And yet visas and paper passports which identify the perpetrators and back up the official version of events miraculously survive explosion, explosions and fires that were, we are told, melted steel buildings. The senior aide appears again beside the president, whispering in his ear. He then quickly moves off. President Obama says, well, Charlie, I can't say this hasn't been interesting. As I said earlier, you've showed up today focused and organized. Regardless how I feel about the material you've presented, I must commend your dedication and zeal. However, our time here is up. The president rises from his chair. I do the same. Charlie Sheen says, Mr. President, one more second. The president starts toward the door. I follow him quickly, step for step. Mr. President, I implore you, based on the evidence you now possess, to use your executive power. Prove to us all, sir, that you do, in fact, care. Create a truly comprehensive and open congressional investigation of 9-11 and its aftermath. The families deserve the truth. The American people and the rest of the free world deserve the truth, Mr. President. He pauses. We shake hands. Make sure you're on the right side of history, says Charlie Sheen. The president breaks the handshake. President Obama, I'm on the right side of history. Thank you, Charlie. My staff and I will be in touch. I watch <laughs> as he strides gracefully out of the room. The truth I provided him held firmly by his side in the hand of providence. And that was 20 minutes with the president. And uh, that's a hypothetical, again, a hypothetical interview that Charlie Sheen uh, would like to conduct with, with the Obama and uh, President Obama and ask him these questions. But uh, obviously, just by the attention this has uh, received in the international press, he has, in fact, uh, practically asked President Obama all of these questions. And these issues need to be addressed. And they, they obviously haven't been. And Building 7 itself was never even brought up in the 9-11 Commission report. Uh, Building 7 was uh, never brought up in uh, the uh, PBS special, America Rebuilds, uh, where uh, they have uh, Larry Silverstein at the beginning uh, talking about how uh, the buildings were pulled. That's where that footage comes from. Um, Larry Silverstein, the cockroach? <laughs> yes, Larry's oh. job. That, you saw the Photoshop job. Yeah. I sent you. 
Yeah, yeah, Larry Silverstein. Uh, it, it just shows. Uh, well, uh, he's he tried to uh, natural environment maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he he scatters when you shine light on him. Well, is he a is he a native Floridian? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I would be ashamed to admit if he was, but uh, okay. he he was trying to get the insurance money on 9-11 by saying that it was two separate instances and he's the one who's of course said that that's when we decided to pull it talking about him and the and the fire department oh that's a good video yeah and uh, and mm. to pull it is obviously he was referring to the building building seven um pull it as a demolition term mm. you know to pull the, the support columns I got a kick out of that one what was there was a was it number 13 or 14 there talking about the pentagon where it got hit and the, mm-hmm. the fact that the hole was only six feet, 16 feet wide. Let me see if I understand this correctly. The plane just happens to hit the Pentagon in the one part of the whole Pentagon that had just been finished being reinforced. But the one plane hitting it in a building designed to handle multiple aircraft strikes just crumbles. Even though when you look at the photographic evidence, you can tell that originally there was a hole in the building and later they blew the building up to make it collapse in. You look at the the photographic evidence, you can tell the whole thing was blown up that day. I remember I was coming, I had gone down on a trip uh, south of there and I was on the way back. I took a bus ride back. I could see the Pentagon from the distance and you could see the cranes over there. They, they worked lickety split to get all that material out of there. Oh yeah, they shipped it all right off to China in oh, India. Yeah. But uh, you remember, if you remember Jamie McIntyre on the morning of 9/11, he's a, a photojournalist or a, I think the, just the White House correspondent for um, CNN, and uh, he was uh, saying that uh, on the inspection of the evidence, uh, there's no commercial. He can't see that a commercial plane could have struck the Pentagon because there's no wreckage around. No, t- he said, no sign of a tail section or cockpit in the debris was uh, included. No parts that uh, you could, nothing that larger than uh, that you could pick up with one hand. Let so, alone the fact that the laws of physics say you can't take an airplane and crash it in in the method they described. The oh law, yeah, yeah. The, the ground force would have crashed you into the parking lot before the, right, you even reached there. The suction of the ground effect of the, the yep. aerodynamics. You can't fly a, a, such a large plane, such a low, you know, eight feet off the ground. But uh, this Jamie McIntyre, he changed his story. He he later said that he took pictures of wreckage at uh, at the Pentagon, and yet this footage or this uh, these this photographic evidence that he claims to have since he's changed his story now saying that there's wreckage well it doesn't exist so my question is has he signed some kind of non-disclosure agreement with cnn or is he under some kind of a gag order how come he's changing his story without any proof to uh you know to the fact that uh, he well the fact is that he said that there was first he said there's no uh, wreckage larger than you could pick up in a hand, no tail section, no cockpit, and then he changes it to say that, yeah, I saw a cockpit, I saw a tail section, I, I saw a fuselage. And so I'd like to know, where's the proof? I, I asked Jason, I brought this up to Jason Burmis, who's um, one of the producers of, of the Loose Change documentaries, and uh, brought it up to him this past week. And he said that, yeah, he brought this issue up in the first Loose Change, forcing Jamie McIntyre to change his story, and uh, that was reported again in the second Loose Change. But, uh, you know, Jason Burmis says that he's asked for the pictures and uh, Jamie McIntyre hasn't responded and they can't find them anywhere if they do exist. Let's see, the most watched building in the world and they don't have video footage. More important, 
that the two towers, do you know what they had in the basement? One of them was a Federal Reserve repository. Really? Gold and silver deposits were in the basements in one of those buildings. Right. But there was nothing in there. They were, that's part of the reason yeah. they were they rushing to get in out. there. They had already taken it out before yeah. it hit. Mm. Well, yeah, I heard that there was also some document, uh, documentation in there regarding the uh, the matter that was brought up the day before by Cynthia McKinney as she was grilling Rumsfeld about such things as the missing, at the time, $2.4 trillion, now over mm-hmm. $4 trillion, missing from the Pentagon because the Pentagon's computers, according to... Defense uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, then Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, said that the computers didn't talk to each other. So I want to know, well, did he did yeah, he waterboard? Right. Did he waterboard the IT guys? Break. Needs to punish those IT guys for losing trillions. Well, but but then all that material was being investigated by the Pentagon, and that very section that was being reinforced had that had that material as to the missing trillions. And then, of course, Cynthia McKinney was asking about things like our contracting with mm. Dyncorn Halliburton military contractors engaged in the slave trade, white slave trade, sex trade. Well, don't forget, too, the uh, Building 7. One of the things that it hosted was um, the New York Stock Exchange uh, computer banks of some, uh, I forget exactly what sort, but I know I had a, uh, I was talking to a manager I used to work for at uh, Merrill Lynch, and they said that morning everything went down. Just when the buildings collapsed, they destroyed both communications lines underneath, but they also destroyed some computer systems that had a lot of transactions. But the transactions went through to the Chicago Board of Exchange for the options that were being placed against the airlines and all the other uh, money-making opportunities. Chris. Mm Mm-hmm. According to Democratic Underground, Jeb Bush uh-huh. on September 12th, 2 a.m., the Venice uh-huh. airport, he was caught removing evidence from that airport about the, the at the um, pilots that were caught in Venice. If you go to democraticunderground.org or .com. Did he stuff the information down his Exactly. He did something. But he, there were, there were, according to them, there were witnesses that Jeb Bush was removing our uh, esteemed, quote-unquote, governor of Florida, that he was caught removing 2 a.m. September 12, 2001, removing evidence from the Venice airport. I don't know, but I'm looking at that. So many facets to this to look into. I do know that he uh, declared a state of national emergency just before 9-11 for the state of Florida. Right. And then rescinded that afterwards, shortly afterwards. And uh, had, uh, oh gosh, so many things to talk about Jeb Bush and helping the, the fly out of the Bin Laden family. And we can talk about that uh, another time too. But um, I, I want to give people some websites to look at uh, to get more research. Once again, there's Architects and Engineers for 9-11-Truth, AE911truth.org, 911keymaster.com, Journal of 911studies.com, PatriotsQuestion911.org. That's a great site that includes links to uh, sites such as PilotsFor911Truth.org. Well, this has been uh, Liberation Station. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. And thanks to the audience. We appreciate your participation and your vigilance. The website, again, is TheLiberationStation.com. All take great care. Happy false flag events, everyone.